0: Two, two pitch. Swing a long Deep left.
1: All right. Welcome back to another episode of the 90th percentile. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. Alongside me, as always, is my co host, Matt Pajack, uploading sports. Matt, I hope you had a great week. this uh, This afternoon, I had a solid lunch, solid 50 lunch from New Jersey Michaels. Pretty good. Good Italian sub, man. You know, Mike's way, Michael's way. Got it all done up. Ready to roll. Now I'm ready to talk about some baseball.
0: Good for you. Let me tell you that after that last episode with Jonah, uh, where you guys were both hammering pot bellies, I went out and I got it. What did you think? You're not going to like this.
1: Oh, no. He's going to crush it. I'm fine with it. Go for it.
0: I'm not going to crush it. Uh, I thought it was fine. I would probably put it slightly ahead of Jersey Michael's. Um, So it's probably like a, it's fringe average for me. Uh, The milkshake was good. A little bit overpriced. Um, I think the sandwich was good. I got a wreck. Okay. And I made sure to get the hot peppers on there. The hot peppers were good, but let me just tell you, Jeff, and I'm going to just keep this very straightforward for the audience. I handle spicy food. Well, and i like hot food like that's that's something that i do uh, it, it was not a pleasant next day it just it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> um so it was one of those things where it's like ah oh, man like do i rush back to to bellies? probably not uh, if it's an opportunity to have it again i probably do it cuz i you know it, it did taste good but um yeah it's capriotis. Looking Fair. forward. I don't know. They're they're diving off the deep end with that chopped cheese. We'll we'll see what happens there. But uh is still comfortably well ahead of everybody else for me.
1: All right, all right. I'm a I'm a Jersey Michaels fan, so i I took that as uh as being a, a fairly strong endorsement there,
0: you know. Yeah, to each their own.
1: Perhaps definitely perhaps. to
0: Jeff's
1: I always went with. Um, and I think they've changed it up a little bit, but I always went with like the uh, the turkey sub that they had, where it was like legit, like turkey tips, and then threw the the peppers on that sucker.
0: Listen, I was taking notes on every. I don't know if they've thing.
1: changed it a little bit. They I was
0: hanging it. on every word you said when you were describing that sandwich. I and think they might have changed the menu. Bit. Yeah, I scoured the menu, and there was no, like legit turkey option there was like sliced turkey
1: yes yeah, is funny yeah so it was like it yeah it was not deli meat like yeah the last time i had it it was like it was like chunks of of turkey which is what made it good i mean i had it a million times it's just this was all pre-pandemic they must have they must have downgraded and went to sliced meat uh post pandy
0: you know so, Just saying, that's what my experience was. I was bummed because I did. I, I looked at that menu one time, two times, three times, four. And there wasn't any turkey tips on there. So anyway, oh, there what go. do we got today?
1: Well, we have another episode of Finding Your Fit. We've had a few of these already. We've covered some some different backgrounds. Today we have Stan Tucker, who was a recent draft picked of the Boston Red Sox. I said draft picked. I added a a T at the end of that. Um, It's like turnt. Um, Yeah. He he had an interesting path, you know, um, was impacted by the pandemic. (laughs) We're bringing this up a lot. Uh, But 2021 played it at Wharton Junior College, Uh, was actually enrolled, you told me this earlier, at New Mexico uh, Junior College, went and played there in 2022, been transferred to Texas A&M uh, University for 2023. Didn't see a ton of at-bats, but does end up getting drafted. Um, so kind of interesting. And I guess it's sort of, as you said, off-air, finding your fit in pro ball. So we're expanding the vision here.
0: Yeah, and we're talking about like 2021 Wharton Junior College raked 405 uh, region – I know my Roman numerals here. Region 14 South MVP, all region, all conference shortstop, 14 home runs in 44 games. And he goes to New Mexico Junior College in 2022. He is a NJCAA first team All American, WJCAC conference MVP, 407 batting average, 17 home runs, 37 stolen bases in 58 games. And then, like you mentioned, uh, jumps in that transfer portal, heads to Texas A&M, and he hit 273 this past year uh, in 22 at-bats. So, uh, yeah, finding your fit in pro ball. Um, very excited to talk to Stanley. I've have heard nothing but great things uh, about this guy, and apparently he can ball, uh, and Texas A&M missed the boat on that. So, um, yeah, let's bring him in here.
1: No, let's do it. Let's get on Stan Tucker, Boston Red Sox, shortstop center fielder, Holy Tools.
2: Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed.
1: all right, and we are back with our guest for this week. That is Stanley Tucker, 19th round selection just a few weeks ago by the Boston Red Sox. He's down in, in uh, complex League ball uh, down in Fort Myers. about to say spring training. I had to catch myself. I think Fort Myers, I think spring training because that's when I'm down there. Uh, but welcome to the show, Stanley. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Just glad to be
3: here. Glad you guys uh, let me on the show today.
0: No, nah, we're, uh, we're excited to have you. Um, sure. Yeah, you know, I, I think we've got a, a couple of mutual contacts. So I've known about you for a couple of years, uh, Matt Pierce and uh, Mike Robbins at NMJC. So um, right, they've, they've all had nothing but great things to say about you. So I was really excited. Yeah, I know Pierce connected us to, to get you on and kind of talk through your experience because, um, yeah, in talking to Pierce regularly over the past three or four years, I feel like I've... Uh, lived your experience through his eyes. So, um, it's, it's fascinating. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, part of what we're doing with some of these conversations is kind of, uh, exploring different ways that guys find their fit. Uh, and, you know, specifically on this one, you know, we're talking about you finding your fit, uh, in pro ball, you know, and kind of your journey to get to that point. So, uh, really excited to get into this conversation it's uh, kind of a unique story and uh, probably one that's not going to fall on a lot of deaf ears, you know, especially with the, the track record of success that you had uh, for a couple of years there mm-hmm. um, working your way through the pandemic. So, um, but yeah, let's just, let's just get it going. I know, you know, you're a Texas guy, um, you know, from down in Lamar. Um, what there- were your options out of high school uh, from like a collegiate standpoint? Was there any pro interest? Uh, what did all that look like and kind of how did you end up, um, I guess, committing to NMJC? And then, you know, we can talk about how you ended up at Wharton and all that. But, you know, ju- let's just talk about your high school experience and and come through that.
3: Yeah, so uh, my high school experience was, was pretty unique. Uh, you know, you asked me my... Freshman year of high school, I thought I was a first rounder in my first year of high school, you know, uh, <laughs> but I kind of went through my early years and uh, I didn't really hear much from uh, Division One schools, uh, kind of just went under the radar. I went to a lot of camps, played with the South Texas slider. That's when I uh, did meet Coach Matt and uh, you know, went through a lot of camps, went through a lot of team camps and uh, throughout the years, I was a smaller, smaller frame guy. I didn't really Uh, get into my soft, my sophomore summer. going into my junior year, I received my first offer to play at the Air Force Academy. That was my first Division one college offer and that was the first college collegiate offer I had. Uh, and then going into my senior year, I, by that time, I had talked to University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley and um, Abilene Christian University. Those were the other two Division One offers that I had. And then um, coming into the beginning of that season, um, I, uh, Coach Robbins, he actually talked to me about um, attending JUCO. He's like, hey, uh, you know, we're going to see what you get this end of the summer. Uh, but, you know, I want to just extend the offer. And if you decide you want to go JUCO um, after your senior year, the, the opportunity is there. And that was just kind of a decision that I made with my family at the end of my senior, well, junior, senior year. And, uh, I just decided to go with it.
0: Ah, very cool. Um, that's kind of interesting that air force was on you. You could, uh, yeah. you could have been there with jeans.
1: <laughs> that was exactly what right. I can say. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> let, let me ask, um, I know you had you know a pretty unusual sort of you know setup up that first year um we're committed to go to N- nmjc you know end up playing at wharton what was that whole experience like and um how much sort of like turmoil worry like fear uncertainty and doubt like were you sort of dealing with i can only imagine at 18 19 years old How I <laughs> so i'm interested to right. hear about that so
3: right yeah so that was a crazy experience uh being that senior year was canceled because of COVID. i remember just walking to the field one day and it was done and then going to nmjc we went through a lot of COVID regulations but we still tried to make it work and we still optimistic about the year until all the way until our last meeting we had before we went home before the break and they told us that we probably wouldn't have a season we wouldn't come back so I think that was the time when it really just set in, like, okay, uh, what, what should I do? It was two options. It was either go part-time and uh, go part-time school and take the year off and then just come back to New Mexico the next year or try to transfer and uh, kind of just go into a new program in the spring and, and see where it lies. And uh, that time, That's a time where I really relied on my faith a lot because it was, it was tough because uh, going into Wharton, the the decision to go into Wharton was tough because I was going into a brand new program. I didn't have a fall to kind of prove myself. And uh, the coaching staff, they knew me there, but they really just truly didn't know me. And so that decision to go to Wharton was one, my very first, I would say, test for me to just put my trust in God and just go. And, and and believe in myself and believe in in the work that I put in and, and it ultimately just was was a good decision for me.
0: I mean that's just wild that like that opportunity presented itself that late in the game, you know. Right. Like, you're talking about like right up until like Christmas break, you know, you thought you were gonna have a season at N M J C and then they're right. like oh, I actually just down.
3: <laughs> Right, right. I actually didn't decide to go to Wharton until maybe it was the week of the time they were reporting. So my first day at Wharton with the coaching staff and signing to come and play, they were practicing. So I didn't get out there until after they had came back and and started practicing already. So I was I was a little bit late to the game.
0: <laughs> how did that even like set itself up? Like how did you get it? Like you had to have had some help, you know? It's. <laughs> that late along, like, hey, where can I go? Play? Right, right. Like,
3: so. Right, it was it was a lot of help, a lot of my network and system, a lot of people who uh, I'm just blessed to have in my corner. Uh, actually, Coach Case, he is was the he's a I I think he's still the athletic director there, but he was the head coach there before. Um, coach Porce and he had saw me play in high school, so he kind of had already had an idea who I was, he knew who I was, he knew my family. And when he caught wind of the situation and what happened and that I was looking for a place to play, kind of related to Coach Porras, and they uh, actually had a roster spot open up. Um, it was one roster spot, and you know, he offered me the opportunity to come play, and I was like, okay, I'll take it. And I, I just kind of took that last spot and ran with it.
0: Some things are just meant to be right all right so uh i had heard that there was some draft interest uh in you ahead of the 2022 mlb draft but you ended up at texas a&m uh i kind of talked me through that decision um and kind of what all that looked like for you did you consider going pro after your monster year at nmjc um and then, you know, ultimately ended up at Texas A&M. So kind of talk through that because we've had a couple guys on the pod uh, who have talked about their experience that's been similar where there might have been some pro interest and they made a decision to hop in the portal and end up at a D1 and um, mixed bag of experiences. So, uh, yeah, talk talk us through that one.
3: Yeah. So uh, coming into my second year at NMJC, that was the first time in my career that i had just professional interest from from scouts. Um, it was my first time talking to scouts. First time just truly being on the radar, and um, basically having after having a, a, a good year there, uh, the possibility to go professional was 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 there. Um, but at the time, I didn't I didn't really know a lot about the the process, what the process looked like, how it all went, and then two for me. I was still late on the scene. So, well, when I say late, I was still kind of an unknown player. So, and I had been in front of a lot of area scouts and a lot of uh, guys locally or, but just to play in front of a lot of cross checkers or really a lot of, uh, in front of the, I would say the staff that truly makes the decisions or try to get into the eyes of many of those scouts, I still wasn't on the scene. Um, So I started, uh, I I reached out to some people and ended up, you know, just getting some help with the process. And the further along that we got in it, we were like, okay, this is maybe where I stand. This is maybe where I should be thinking about. And then the opportunity came to play at Texas A&M, which as as a young kid, ever since I was young, my dream was to play in the SEC. I wanted. I always talked about playing in the SEC and then going to play pro ball. So, that dream as a young kid kind of resonating in me and being a driving factor to me. But like, okay, I know that professional is there, but also I know what my dream of playing the SEC was. So it was it was a process going into that draft, and uh, you know, I just kind of the decision that I made. I was I was happy with it at the time that I decided to go to Texas a yeah.
0: yeah, every night before you put your head on that pillow, you're having these these visions of. <laughs> touch dancing in the bubbles at Bluebell Park.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so
1: I, I wanted to sort of follow up a little bit there too. Um, you know, you've had this experience, you've been to a few JUCOs, um, obviously sort of you know make some switches. You've been, you know, played in three different places over the first three years. Um, but you also were sort of there on the precipice of some major changes within. The college baseball landscape um, and pro ball too. Um, you know, in terms of like consolidation on the pro side, in terms of teams, levels, amount of available jobs, um, but certainly NIL, the way the transfer portal is now, twenty round draft, a lot more NDFAs than there used to be. So there's there's all these different sort of things that are out there. Um, what sort of advice like would you have for, let's we'll say, somebody that's following a similar path to you, going from a JUCO? To a power five uh, that also has pro interest, like
3: yeah. So the advice I can give to someone, uh, just really just believe in yourself. Uh, no matter what, always bet on yourself. Uh, the work that you put in, it, it does not go unnoticed. Um, in a time where you may feel like this person is getting more an NIL or this person is getting more recognition. It, the transfer portal oh well this team may be looking at this guy in the transfer portal it's just so much for a young player to try to digest and especially in, in my time I've seen all facets of it um it's so easy to venture out and try to want this want that want that I say just say true to yourself believe in yourself believe in your work and really just have a true set goals that you want to reach because that's the biggest thing. When you have so many avenues to venture off, if you don't have a set goal in mind or set or what you want to accomplish, you can just get off track or you can uh, wanna go do this or wanna go that. Have your set goal, have your set plan, believe in yourself and just and bet on yourself because at the end of the day, your career is, is what you make of it. Um, and they always say, uh, you are the CEO of your own career. Yes, there's a lot of outside factors that's going to help you gain and help you uh, go accomplish your goals. But at the end of the day, you're the CEO of your own career. So what you put into your career is what you're going to get out of it. And I say just just believe in yourself throughout the entire process.
0: Yeah, I guess my question kind of piggybacking off of that is – like how aware are you as a player? Cause I'm sure everything's moving so much faster for you than it is for us as outside observers. Like how aware are you of the changing landscape in like professional baseball? Like we had minor league consolidation a couple of years ago, there's less seats on the bus and like, it's only continuing to go more and more in that direction. Now on the positive end of the spectrum, because you have less minor league players, they're going to be unionized starting next year. You're going to get a salary and, minor league players are going to have a much better lifestyle than you know it's been for as long as people can remember so um how do you educate yourself on those types of things and how do those types of things factor into your decision making because you know i think you come into professional baseball right now and and you're living a completely different experience guys did five years ago
3: yes yes i'm still honestly still learning every single day um i talk with people uh some old friends I know that drafted in years before, and minor league baseball looks totally different than it did years before. Um, you know, they treat they treat us well. Uh, it's it's more. I would say the compet the competitiveness, the the competitive nature is there. Uh, but making a decision early, it it varies player to player, uh, and for me, saying that oh maybe I wish I would've gotten a pro ball earlier or later, like everybody's time is different. And being in the system and getting in development is key, no matter how old you are. Um, I would say for me now in the system that we're in, um, I'm blessed to be a part of this system that I'm in because Boston is really dedicated to the development of their minor leaguers. So they they treat us well, the systems that we go through, the plan, the individualized plans that we all have, is to make you better as a person, make you better at just to get the most out of you as a player. And you get that from the college side and the, the professional baseball side as well. So now when you look at minor league baseball and what it is now, yes, it's more competitive because they're they're investing more into the players, but at the same time, they're still trying your hardest to 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 get the best out of you so that that decision going to a pro ball it varies player to player but i say getting into the system early it it is important but it's not the end of the world the later you you wait
1: absolutely i was going to ask uh sort of follow-up on that too um we'll say you know you've been in a few different environments now what was like the, the biggest like aha moment from a development standpoint, facility standpoint, like, you know, information, maybe they're being provided coaching wise, just all that stuff that feeds into it between like your Juco experience and then Texas a and And then maybe your initial impressions here with Boston. Um, I know you haven't been there all that long, but
3: right.
1: seeing certain things, available food, I mean, whatever it might be, nutrition, obviously um, you know, top-notch organizations the last couple you've been with
3: right right so uh in in junior college new mexico junior college uh specifically that place was it was it was amazing especially on the, the junior college side the facilities mm-hmm. were were top-notch for junior college and uh the coaching staff there i learned so much from um Lotto felix and and coach mike robbins um some, a lot of the pivotal information I learned there kind of is carried to me and still in my game today. And so taking that from to Texas A&M where the facilities were a little bit better and nutrition is better. It was a step up. It was like, okay, but at the same time, it was still the same game It was still baseball, but you're learning different things. So say, how can I better take care of my body? Oh, now we're going to get more on the mental side of of baseball uh, routines learning more about yourself to where when you get to the level that i am now coming into pro ball the biggest thing that i've seen so far in all of the facilities and all the development and all the staff that's available it's how do you want to use it or how do this help you individually so it's that role for me coming in and learning myself learning what i need to be successful because everybody's not on the same plan everybody's not on the same uh same i would say program everyone does what's tailored to them to be successful and so my road learning that from junior college all the way to pro is just taught me how to make use of what i got and how to fully get the most out of the facilities and the options that's given to me it was a step up from each level um but at the end of the day, the game is still baseball. and But uh, I can say, like I said, being in Fort Myers and, and being with Boston um, and everything that we're learning, everything that they're putting us through so far, it's a step up above in each level.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go off the cuff here a little bit. I got a question for you uh, that just popped into my head. And I, I know that you're a little bit smaller in stature, and that's mm-hmm. probably been the case at every level that you've played at. Uh I know you're not lacking in athleticism. Um I'm very aware of the type of athlete that you are, right? Um you hit 14 home runs at Wharton, correct? Thirteen. Thirteen. All right, thirteen. Texas yeah, AM. Yes. York, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 13 home runs at Wharton and then 17 as a follow-up the next yes, year at New yes. Mexico Junior College. Yes. Um Talk to me a little bit about, especially as a smaller guy, and there's plenty of smaller guys mm-hmm. out there that probably need to, you know, hear this perspective um, at, at different levels, right? So let's talk about like high school. Let's talk about travel ball in high school. Let's talk about, uh, you know, playing for different coaches at different levels of college baseball. Um, how has your approach at the plate changed? Because obviously there's power there. Uh, if you right putting the ball over the fence for those two years of college baseball. And, um, you know, what, how, what's your current approach at the plate um, knowing that there's power in a smaller frame?
3: Right. Right. So early on, I learned what, what pitch was best for me, what pitch I did the most damage to. I knew what area on the plate that I did damage, uh, I did damage to. And so in my first year of junior college, I know, I I was still learning myself. And then I started putting up a couple balls on the wall and I was like, okay, I'm getting stronger now. Now let's dive into the approach, what's going on. And that's when I formed the approach of, okay, I don't wanna be late for the fastball. I wanna be on time for the fastball every time, especially a fastball for me, specifically middle end. I like the middle end fastball because a lot of my home runs I hit are to left field. I just got really good at pulling the ball in the air. And being here, that's one thing that we talk to we talk about a lot now in my my frame and my stature. A lot of my slugging percentage, a lot of my slugs and extra base hits are going to be from when I pull the ball in the air. And that's when I get my highest exit velocities. That's when I get my hardest contact. But then also going to in a program like Texas A&M where I really learned how to also get the Pitch, the, the tougher pitches to hit or maybe the pitchers pitches on the outside part of the plate or in different situations, being able to go to right field with it, stay, stay low and hit a line drive the right field or work up the middle more. Um, a lot of my power personally plays the left field, pulling the ball in the air. But then as you get older and into and, and different areas of the game, they start pitching you differently. Uh, you really have to tone into your approach. So the approach now is still the same. Be on time for the fastball. Don't miss the fastball and adjust to, to pretty much what what could come up each pitcher. But I want to be on time for the fastball so I can pull the ball in the air. And that's going to give me the the most success.
0: Yeah, I think it's really easy. And I, I see it all the time because I'm around, you know, high school guys for the the smaller guys. It's just like, Hey, like line drives, hit the ball on the ground. Um, and I, I don't know. I was just kind of curious. Um, yeah, you know, it's it. You seem to have a really good understanding of what you do well at the plate, what you're looking for, um, right. and how to tap into your power. But I feel like there's a lot of guys out there, especially the younger guys that are smaller, that just kind of like, oh, like they're telling me to hit the ball on the ground. They're telling me to, you know, hit line drives, and like they don't even they don't even try and tap into their power um, if right. it's there. Right. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope you continue to tap into that power, and one day. You're <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah. You know, pull up to the field, see the monster. It's 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 fun to look at it and be like, OK, I want to I want to attack them out. What well, we say, we feed the monster in our development system and everything that I like, say, feed the monster. So we, we're going to feed the monster.
1: Oh, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's beautiful. And we're both Massachusetts guys. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate that. Um, I wanted to sort of, you know, jump in a little bit to your season at, at Texas A&M um congratulations obviously 19th round pick it's a big deal um only 22 at bats though this year at texas mm-hmm. and do you get that opportunity to play sec ball as you said which is always a, a dream of yours um did you consider going back at all did you have anything else lined up like what does that that process uh sort of look like for you
3: yeah so uh when the season ended uh course uh had some success in in the year um kind of some things lined up um uh, to where it was just a, a tough situation going in in the depth chart uh but i am still able to to get in and, and produce win and got opportunities but season ended and kind of just sat and had to talk with our coaching staff and uh, it was it was a mutual agreement to kind of just uh to see what was out there uh see what the best fit for me was so I entered the portal um, right after the season just to see any other opportunities that were out there that that would come up that would be really, like I said, a best fit for me. Um, and then the opportunity to come back was, was still open. Um, so um, I was just venturing to, to open to new opportunities, wanted to go play in the summer. I went and played for the summer and the month, um, in a month in the draft league and uh I just really wanted to open up my options to see what would happen or what places would look like, what it would look like after the draft.
0: Yeah, I, that's and, – and it kind of bleeds into this next question. Like, you're 21 years old. You just turned 21, so happy belated birthday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's There's this thing from, like, Again, people who observe the game and, and people who are pretty in tune with like the draft and everything that's going on. Where we talked about it before, minor league consolidation, less seats on the bus, and then it's no secret that like in most teams' draft models, like age is important, right? Like they'd rather right. take a guy who's younger versus a guy who's older. And right. because of all of the different things that have happened in the past couple of years, that has changed the college space. There's way more guys in college baseball right now. There's more guys on rosters. Uh, and there's also a lot more like older guys, right? 22, 23-year-olds that are regulars in lineups. Um, so I guess all of that to say like you just turned 21, which is like a, a perfect age to enter pro ball uh, where you're not considered too old. Um, you know, was that part of the consideration to draft and sign was, hey, I'm going to get into pro ball with, at 21, And, like, I've got plenty of development runway in front of me as opposed to, like, all right, let's see what next year brings and, you know, hopefully, you know, things go according to plan and then I'm 22 and I better put up monster numbers like I've already done twice. Um, Otherwise, you know, like, there's, again, there's a a player that we talked to a couple pod episodes ago and you can go back and look at it. and Like, he did three years at junior college at McLennan, uh, jumped to Oklahoma State, didn't play a whole lot there jumped in the portal went to austin p put up monster numbers and then this draft cycle he was 23 years old he ended up signing as an undrafted free agent um but yeah and, it, and you know just kind of talk about that a little bit because it's undoubtedly something that you're seeing you saw it at texas a m mm-hmm. you're seeing it in every dugout those older guys in the dugout um how did your age i guess factor into your decision to make that jump into pro ball as opposed to you know either returning to am or exploring another opportunity
3: yeah of course i wanted to i really wanted to be in professional baseball this year because it's it was my draft my draft quote unquote draft year you know my my junior year of college and this is the ideal time a lot of people uh, this is the ideal time you sign so of course the goal was i wanted to be in professional baseball this year um i don't feel like it would have been the end of the world if i would have went back because you know go back and you have to see that everybody's role is different um but that relief of signing when i was 21 the year my draft year it was a big relief because um uh, that was the plan coming into this year that was the plan on going to texas a m was to to the following year sign you know so uh I I want I wanted to sign this year, but that didn't take away from any decision on going back and playing a, a, another year. Um, I kind of had both options weighed out. There was some good on both sides. There was some bad on both sides. But um, the uh, the relief of signing this year it, it was a big relief for me, being that you know college baseball is getting really old, especially with the transfer portal and of course COVID. Uh, but um, I'm really just blessed that I was given the opportunity. Being that I didn't have that much uh, the previous year, I was still given this opportunity to to play professional ball this year.
0: Yeah, well, I'll I'll just say you know from my perspective, I'm I'm a fan of the decision that you made Um, because I do think that you know there's a lot of guys out there that get an opportunity to potentially go play pro ball, whether it's out of high school or after your JUCO or you know. After their junior year of college at a D1, whatever it is, they're 21. Um, and they, you know, they think that, okay, well, let me do one more year and, yeah, I'm going to improve my draft stock. And I, I think that was probably the case pre 2020. And now it's like a little bit like playing with fire. So I'm um, right, right. very excited, you know, that you sign the dotted line and now you get to go have your opportunity and, like, yeah, you talked about it before, like that belief in yourself. Like, you that's know, it. That's, that's it. it. Like, true. if you believe in yourself and you go out there and you execute in pro ball, right. like it, nobody remembers the signing bonus. You know, like, right. That's the most <laughs> those important key checks, thing. They're a lot bigger <laughs>
3: at, at this level now. At this stage, everybody has to earn it. You know, and yep. uh, yeah. uh, Once you get at this level, it's it's we're all we're all focused on the same goal. We're all trying to work to get to the same goal, and sign signing bonuses out of the window. Um, mm-hmm. We don't. I, we haven't even. I haven't even talked about signing bonuses with any of the new guys who came in. We're all focused on getting better, development every single day, and um, it's a grind once you get to the side. That's
0: yeah, it. Well, sure. I got. I got one more question for you, and then if Jeff has anything, then I'll. I'll let Jeff finish it off. But go ahead, <laughs> Stanley Tucker. Is the seat feeling hot for you right now?
3: Is the seat feeling hot for me right now?
0: Yeah, this is a big question right here.
3: Okay, I'm, I'm ready. Let's, I've, let's... I've
0: been I've been tipped off that that you're uh, that this question isn't the easiest one for you to answer. If I'm putting okay. you on a ball field right now, okay. What position is Stanley Tucker?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's kind of that is a tough sit question. I give you a little when i got drafted my draft card signed in and said utility when i showed up in boston to do my well when i showed up in fort myers to do my physical they gave me my paperwork and everything um it said infield so i was like okay coming in maybe coming as an infielder the first schedule was sent out for working out and doing things i was in outfield so i was in both, so I've been bouncing around from everywhere, but right now I would say if Stanley Antonio, would step on the field right now, it would be center field. Um, I've been working with outfielders right now, I've been bouncing around with outfield, but the other day I jumped in and did some things with it with the infielders. So, you know, it's still there. Uh, I like to keep it open, I like to play everywhere, but uh, I think I have a, an answer right now. Right now it's center field, but who knows, you might look up tomorrow and I'll be in. And yeah, shortstop, but, you
0: know who knows. <laughs> hey, checking my uh, my Twitter feed yesterday, they traded Kike Hernandez, so they need that yeah. super utility guy that can play shortstop.
1: Yeah, and they got they got Sadane <laughs> Raphael in the system who plays shortstop and center field too. So it's not foreign. It's not foreign to uh, that Red right. Sox organization. You know, it's I hope forward. they hope they keep you flexible. You know, you want to be able to play. That versatility is oh, yeah. important, man. You know. Might get you that right. call a little bit sooner. You never know.
3: Right, right. I was, I was happy to walk into the locker room the other day and uh, had two gloves in my locker. As I was like, okay, it's still open. It's still open. We're still working with two. So, uh,
0: yeah,
3: it's open. <laughs> yeah,
0: common denominator on center field, shortstop, second base. They're all up the middle, and they're all premium positions. So, they're if you can defend middle. one of them, you can defend two of them. You defend three of them, and yeah. you're only stacking that value.
3: That's usually my answer. I just say I play up the middle.
0: Exactly,
3: <laughs> there
1: you go. Perfect. <laughs> All right, let's well, uh, Stanley Tucker, I want to thank you for joining us here on the 90th percentile for Jeff Pons, for Matt Pajack. We'll be back next week.
0: Yeah, go hop in the yeah. pool or something. <laughs>